Hi everyone, I'm here with James Aquino and I'm super excited to talk to him about his journey of becoming a social entrepreneur. Thank you, thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. They are sway. They are sway. So, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and just in general what brought you to create all your ventures, including Street Priests and Erupt.art? Well, thank you so much. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, Nadia. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is James Okina. I'm from Nigeria, and I am a social entrepreneurship senior <laughs> at Lynn. Um, part of the Watson Institute as well. And quickly for, for my um, organization, Street Priest Incorporated, I founded that when I was 15 years old. And the reason why I founded um, Street Priest was simply because um, I saw kids who reminded me of the younger version of myself who was lost, confused, and uh, just, just getting into trouble. And I did not want them to do the same things that I had done. And it was just almost instinctive that I needed to do something, I had to do something. And so I didn't intend to start an organization, I just wanted to help one kid. And one kid became two, two became three, and like they say, the rest, become, the rest became history. Aww, that's so sweet. But also very, it sounds very challenging because you had to kind of incorporate your own life in this and also something that really was hurtful for you, I guess. It was something that made you think about this more and it was a struggle, I guess. Would you, mm -hmm. would you think that kind of influenced your work? Oh, definitely. Um, to be fair and sincere, that influenced my work a lot. But greater than that, I think, um, when I came off that path, um, something that really helped me come, up, come off um, the, the, that path that I was on, which was definitely not good, uh, was my faith. And um, I was empowered by that. And um, I wanted to, so I felt I could do something, which was key, right? I didn't feel helpless when I met the other kids, like, oh, there's nothing I could do. I felt I could do something. And, and then tying it with my own personal experiences, I didn't want the kids to, I, I believed in them because I thought if I could come off that, they can come off it too. I didn't know how, but because I had an example which was myself, um, that put enough fire in my stomach to to want to go on to, to solve this problem. And so that was how I got into to that. Okay, but as you said, right now you're not really working on it full time, but you're on the board, you said? Um, yes, that's correct. What does that mean, that you're on the board and you're not really full time on it? So I stepped away from um, actively working on Street Priest in 2018, uh, which is now three years ago, interestingly. Um, and so as, as a founder, I, I serve on the board. I also still play strategic and key um, fundraising, um, a fund, a key strategic and key fundraising role for the organization. Um, but I'm not involved in the operations of the organization or um, its day-to-day -day activities. Um, I provide high-level feedback and um, and show up to meetings that I have to be at, of course. But that's pretty much what I do at the moment. Can you tell me how big is that venture? How many people are involved in it? And what kind of roles are they taking on? 
So Street Race Incorporated currently operates the only community center in Nigeria that serves um, street children um, or disenfranchised youth um, um, every day of the week. And that's a big deal. Nigeria is a country of 200 million people. And um, so far, Street Priest, um, of course, having, still has a long way to go, but has impacted the lives of over 11,000 young people. Um, the, the general team of, and primarily, it's also youth-led. Uh, um, young people who work in the organization are between the ages of 17 and 26. Uh, it, it is primarily made up of a, a team, an extended team of about 300 young people um, who are mostly volunteers, but full-time staff of about six people um, and a board of six um, other six people as well, including myself. So that's primarily the governance structure of the organization. But um, everything or most things are primarily, you know, done by young people ages six, 16 or 17 to 26 who um, serve in graphic design, videography, Ooh. you know, who teach classes, who teach music, dance, art, uh, uh, and all kinds of things that you can think of. And um, that's, at last count, over 300 young people who work on this. So um, this venture is very personal. It sounds like you put in it your whole soul, your past, like... It's basically very huge part of yourself. Was it hard to step away from it? Was it is does it feel uh, differently now since you're grown up and you're kind of far away from home now? And like, what was your feeling like? Definitely, it was it was hard to step away. I was glad to step away because before I stepped away, I was in I was you know at the helm of affairs for over three years. I pretty much, you know. Um, I was I was glad to step away in terms of like okay, I can now focus on certain things, um, and also it wasn't that much of a big deal because the people I was handing the 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 you know I was handing over to were very very passionate, you know. There's little that I know that they don't know. So you felt and the trust. You kind of felt that you can trust them. Yeah, um, and, and these are people who are very, very passionate. Many times they've even made me question if I'm even quite passionate about this because, you know, like, they they saw the vision, they, they were moved by the problems, they were very passionate as well. Um, the community director, um, Godwin O'Hara, is an incredible young man, um, an incredible leader as well. So it's it wasn't that difficult for me to, 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 to hand over. Um, however, it was also difficult because uh, that was my baby. Like this was, I grew mm. up. I was 15 when I started, and you know it was so many years of sweat and work, and um, and aside from just all that was attached to you know being the founder of Street Priest, I was also. It's a, it's very fulfilling to work with 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 those kids. I we 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 had a bond, and and you know I really do miss that till this day. Uh, so moving away wasn't, in fact, if there was any proof that we're going to be fine, the organization grew much, much bigger after I left. Um, and where I left mm -hmm. the organization and where it is now is, is miles, miles ahead. So I am, I'm grateful that I was, I'm definitely grateful that I was able to leave and still grateful that I was able to participate and contribute in the ways that I can now. When I think of street priests, not only helping children, but I guess helping the whole country. 
I, w- I wouldn't say the whole country. I, I would say definitely the community. Um, I mean, our vision is definitely to to be able to help the whole country. And um, even though in a sense you can say we're helping the country by doing what we're doing in our community, but there is over 8 million children and teenagers on the streets of Nigeria. And something we say at the organization is that we measure our success not by what we've done, but by what is left to be done. So we want to be able to get to the point where at some point we can definitely say, you know, we're, we're decisively and making a huge dent on, on this problem across the country. And so can you tell me a little more about the practices that really help children and what are you exactly doing? What are the activities or what are, what are the services you basically provide? So we have a community center program um, that combines social and emotional learning to to help the children reintegrate back into society and get back to school and reunite them back with their families amongst other things. And um, the content of this program is everything. Like kids, these are kids who normally wouldn't even have exposure to some of the things they have exposure to. So that includes, you know, normal academics, whether it's math, English, general knowledge, etc. Just sharpen their their reasoning, their their quantitative reasoning, amongst other things. But also, they play games like chess to 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 sharpen their thinking as well, and um, Monopoly or other kinds of board games. Um, this is not abnormal to see. They engage in team building activities, physical sports as well. So it's a whole program. Um, and the goal of this program is to be able to reunite these kids back to their families and send them back to school as well. Now, because many of these kids come from very, very poor backgrounds, even when they are back home, it's, it doesn't mean they'll be able to get back to school. So that's where we also step in. We have a scholarship fund where we actually pay for the tuition fees for kids to go back to oh. school and also organize lessons for them because many of them have been out of school for a while. So they mm-hmm. have to be, able, to be able to catch up with their peers they need help and extracurricular um, um, tutorship or tutelage. So we also provide that for the kids as well. And we do a lot of things with, you know, advocacy, uh, um, informing and engaging with our community to educate them on ways they can get involved amongst other things. So we make very frequent radio and sometimes TV appearances. We create content, of course, for social media in that direction. Um, and we also organize events to sensitize the public. Um, one other thing we also do is, um, because a lot of kids end up on the streets as a result of abuse, we try to be prevent- preventive with it. So we work with a pro bono law firm to address abuse cases. So we follow up with abuse cases when they're reported um, wow. Unfortunately, oh for example, the law enforcement structure or infrastructure is not that strong. So, in a way, we do the job of the police sometimes by you, normally where the police would have been the one to respond to calls, but because they don't, we engage them. So, we act as that kind of middleman to facilitate to make sure that you know a child who has been abused in a home is taken care of and that um, that is proper, properly addressed. So. That's basically uh, what we what we do. Well, um, l- listening to this make me like it's very heavy and it's a lot. And I just wanna maybe put out the trigger warning here because I wanna ask you maybe an example or basically like 
uh, how would you describe someone, um, a, ch- a challenge uh, that a, a child is going through? And um, It's everything from a child who is being verbally abused or physically abused at home or even sexually abused to completely neglect, completely being neglected by their parents. You know, the, over the years, there are many, many cases that we've, um, that we've come across, you know, the kids who have been... I, I met a kid one time whose own father used a machete to, to almost cut off his hand. In fact, he said he was aiming for his head, and why he, he dealt the blow to his hand was because the kid used his hand to block, and that just sliced almost his thumb completely away. So... Cases like that, you know, unfortunately, you almost want to think that those kind of things don't happen, but they happen quite often. Um, and I know what you might be thinking is, like, what kind of parent is this or what did the child do? Uh, in work, in all my years of working on this, I promise you, there's been not one rational case. Many times, the best way to explain it is the fact that the, the, the parent themselves are in pain. Yeah. Weren't exactly. They either have issues with, you know, drugs or drinking or, you know, just general issues. Some of them were abused themselves, never dealt with it, grew up had children, um, and now inflict pain on their children. Some of them also because of the you know, how weak the infrastructures or this the institutions that are supposed to protect children you know for example the law judiciary law law enforcement because of how weak those institutions are they believe that they can get away with anything they do to to their child and oftentimes unfortunately it is the case that they get away with it so they feel like oh some parents would even tell their kids i'll kill you and nothing will happen and so it's um it's really sad we're hoping to make more systematic changes to this problem and bring a decisive end to this problem eventually. <sighs> I've been working myself in um, in shelters for homeless children, and um, I've been volunteering, and I saw children who are struggling with becoming attached or, like, f- feeling something for someone because they think that, hey, this is not, nobody is there for you, basically. And you just kind of, they get used to using people for certain things, but also it's just so difficult to provide them with the feeling, hey, this is forever because you're you're not a parent. You're just volunteering and you're trying your best, but like, it's not forever. And this kind of job or this kind of service or this this is not def- this is definitely not for everyone your case is definitely something very very personal so i mean f- to 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 what you first said this the first thing i'll say is it's true that this kind of job is not for everyone um but i think people can learn to be more empathetic and and a part of a part it, the first thing everyone has to understand is everyone can play a role everyone does play a role in fact by not doing anything people are already a part of the problem and um, there are many things that people can do to be a part of the solution the key is understanding what you can do and who you are and understanding yourself your strengths to to be able to you know make a behavioral change or do something that can have a dent on on the problem because if everybody plays their role 
you know, this is not going to be a problem that I think is that difficult to solve. Concerning my own personal experience, my parents separated when I was nine, um, and after that, it was it was like all hell broke loose. I was I lived a very sheltered life. When my parents were together, I had business doing only three or four things, which were eat, sleep, play, study. <laughs> that was pretty much all I did um, because everything was done for me. But when my parents separated, you know, it was. It was like all hell broke loose. I'm moving with my dad for the first time in my life. And actually when I needed it the most, I had no parental control or guidance. My dad was never around. Um, at the same time, we're dealing with, you know, the, the, the difficulties of separation in itself. And so I turned to the wrong, you know, circle for a sense of belonging and validation. Mm. Uh, and I began to do a lot of things that um, I wasn't very proud of. And so it was maybe four years. This happened for maybe three, four years. And then um, eventually I, um, I met, it was like a domino effect. I began to meet people who basically, you know, changed my life and um, helped me see that I wasn't my mistakes, I wasn't my past, and I was a lot more and you know help give me the resources to move forward and uh, it was you know my my um my journey with my faith actually started from there as well because that was a huge part for me um when i thought about everything that i'd been through it was difficult for just mere words to 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 push me out of it because there's a moral side of everything that we do and um, and that's where the most profound impact of my faith came in because I was like, if there's a God and he, he sees me not for what I've done, but, you know, and he still thinks he can make something of my life, then, okay, let's do this. Would you say that um, environment defines you? Your environment? Your environment definitely influences who you are. It doesn't completely define who you are. Uh, um, but it definitely influences who you are. To what extent it does, sometimes can be in your control, sometimes it can be outside of your control, depending on what um, your circumstances are. So I'd say it definitely influences who you are, it doesn't completely define who you are. <coughs> so let's talk about Erupt. Speaking of Erupt, which is your new venture, and it's very, very different from what you did, and um, it's not only different in terms of the mission, but also it's, I guess it's based in, in the U.S. Yes. And how was that even possible since you're international? It is, it is international. And um, Erupt, Erupt Art is a social enterprise uh, with the vision to, to, to galvanize the most impactful community of socially conscious creatives around the world. It's basically using art as a tool for social change. So in that sense, it is not very different from um, Street Priest because it still has the same fundamental values um, to create the world, to create a world that we can all be proud of. And we're just basically using art as a tool for, for this change. And what we primarily do, uh, uh, that, what we primarily do at Erupt is that we, we, there are many things that we do, but primarily we 
we organize an annual competition that incentivizes artists to, to create um, in four major categories of art, which are performance, literature, audio, and visual. Uh, and they create content around a theme um, that inspires people or galvanizes people for change. For example, in this past year, um, the theme was What About Me? And it was a tribute to children in difficult circumstances around the world. Children in domestic, um, who were trapped in domestic um, abuse or um, children who were in war zones or children who were in extreme poverty, children on the streets. Um, and when COVID hit, a lot of people were saying, oh, stay inside, stay safe, um, you know, and all of that. But what, what does stay safe mean for a, a child who lives off the streets? What does, you know, stay safe for a child? What does stay safe mean for a child who is being sexually abused at home? What does, you know, being socially distanced mean for a child in extreme poverty? You know, what does all of this mean? You know, and they say, look out for your loved ones. What about children who don't have loved ones? So that was the theme. And then artists were supposed to create around this. We had people enter from 89 countries and um how many winners 89 countries 89 wait 89 countries yes that was wait, wait, wait no, no 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 i can't believe that what wait when did you start erupt erupt first pilot was in 2019 but really for real for real erupt started in 2020. okay like during the pandemic i guess or something yes yes wow so people entered from 89 countries of the world um, we had four winners. Oh, we had three winners because one category was disqualified. Um, and each winner went home with $2,000. Um, we had three winners in total, one from Nigeria, one from the Philippines, and one from Canada. And all 80, um, top, all top 80 contestants have their work exhibited on our website, erupt, www.erupt.art. Um, and our goal is to is for this art entries to be used as a tool for education. There are many problems that children, young people face around the world that people are not familiar with. Uh, you 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 have people hearing about the problem of female genital mutilation for the first time, for example, from the competition, amongst other things. So that's basically what we what we intend to do: use art to provoke um, people to think about things they may not have thought about, start conversations, and um, ultimately um, inspire change. And I should also say this, um, um, the competition has an entry fee. And last year, all 100% of the entry fees went back into funding work that was serving children during the pandemic. Wow, and moving forward, to that. that. Yes, moving forward, that's what we, we aim to do. Um, as we're using the arts to inspire, we're using um, um, the resources that we get to to fund grassroots change for, by youth for youth primarily. Uh, so you said 89 countries, um, like, so, but it's based in America. Is it, like, I heard, like whenever, when I first came to the website i saw exhibitions so i guess you Correct. guys have offline or is it virtual no or? The, the exhibition is uh, is is virtual so all like it's all, all activities it's are virtual yes the exhibition is virtual you can see it on our website 
Okay, so how does that work? So it's an yeah. annual competition, yeah. right? So every all the entries that that were entered into the competition were now exhibited, but we didn't exhibit all. We only exhibited the top eighty entries. Top eighty. Yes, eight zero. And, but how do you invite them? And what is is it an application process or? So when we when we launch our call for submissions, um, that was when people entered, um, and that's how we got our winners um, through our levels of judging, and um, through our levels of judging, we of course knew who the top eighty contestants were and their artwork which they entered with to win the prize money um, was what was exhibited. Um, like I said, one of our values is education and bringing awareness to these issues. So we, the goal is for people to go on the website, watch the entries, see the entries, be inspired, and to want to create a change in their world. How are you marketing all that? Are you enjoying, I guess, getting people know about you guys? Because every market's so different. Like, you know, Russian market is very different from Fr French market, for example. And how do you guys reach to those countries, I guess? So that's not difficult. So one, we leverage our network. Um, we would we leverage a lot of spaces last year. Um, we also we also put in a lot of work into strategic digital marketing. You know, leveraging Instagram, YouTube, Facebook to to run ads. And um, there are over two hundred thousand um, people reached through our ads alone. And mm -hmm. um, in total, over half a, half a million people were reached through uh, other networks. We use platforms like Opportunity Desk, which is the largest opportunity platform in the world, with over 100,000 hits every month. So these were strategic channels we used to, to get the word out. Whoa, that's solid results. Those are some really cool results. Does that make you proud of it? How does that make you feel? I mean, there's a sense of there's always there's going to always going to be a sense of accomplishment. Oh, we've done something, but it's a far cry of what our north star is. Mm -hmm. And our north star is to use art as a tool for social change, to galvanize change using art. And we're far from that, you know. But we we can appreciate how far we've come. This year is going to even be bigger and better than last year, so we're, we're all very excited about it. Um, we'll open sometime in July and then um, run through to August, um, and you would have ample time to, to, to submit. And all the information about when we open, when we close, will be on the website as well as soon as we launch, and, and definitely you'll be in the know. And yes, anybody can enter. Once you submit it, you basically just have to register and then upload your work, and then what next? Like, you just wait for the results, or is like... Correct. Correct. Okay, so it's a as simple as uploading and then waiting for the results, and that's it. Correct. And then if you get the results, like, positive, like, if you... If you move on to the next stage, then you get information about what needs to be done for the next stage. And then finally, last year we had three stages. Um, this year we'll probably have the same. And then you'd 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 know if you won or or not. So last year we had four winners. This year we are, we plan to have twelve winners. Twelve winners. Okay. Yeah. So you're expanding. Correct. Uh huh. And um, 
And so the winners get to, like different prizes, like you said, scholarships. Yes. You said something like that, and but also, so can you access all the exhibitions? Like, can you access all of those artworks on your website, or where do you store those artworks? You can access everything on the website www.europe.art forward slash exhibition. Once you go there, you'll see all the different exhibition and you can use the filter if you want to see only literature so poems short stories you can see that if you want to see just audio which is music spoken word poetry you can see that visual you can see that performance you can see that so everything is on the website it's a virtual exhibi exhibition mm, gotcha have you thought about hosting something like that offline um it, not now the the the, the whole the whole point of this is that it's virtual there are plenty of physical exhibitions um and those are very limiting um but we want to reach more people we want to be able to the goal of this is not to um increase the barrier to entry for people so we want to make it exactly. very accessible and that's why it's online um and that's why we can have the reach we are we had you know um, because literally anybody anywhere in the world can access this with internet access and almost any device. So every entry in the top 80, um, that was you should definitely explore the exhibition page. It's but it's only in English? It's only in English, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So my Russian friends not really can't, they can't really enter. <laughs> There's can. a barrier. They can they can if they if they're in performance if they draw paint you don't need to speak English to draw paint um, you, you, if they if they want to write something in Russian or a poem in Russian and and translate it that's also welcome as well so they can have the Russian version and submit that alongside with the English translation of it so that's that's always welcome and because you know last year there were people who entered from from Russia so and because we're very open and we're very transparent that's what it is uh, so I see I see so um, talking about those participants so they don't it's free of charge it's accessible for everyone it's virtual it's not, so you're it's not fr it's not free of charge there's an entry fee oh. there's an entry fee which we use to um, which like I said we use to fund grassroots impact but it's a measly ten dollars, um, and that's nothing compared to the impact that's created. One and also um, the prize money. Um, the winner goes on with two thousand dollars, one thousand um, for second place, um, and five hundred for third place. Ooh, okay. So it's a ten dollar entry fee just mm -hmm. to participate, right? So you register yes, and you correct. also pay ten dollars. Okay. Um, all right, I get it. But how do you explain? I guess you got you guys have to, like, have a Q and A section on your website and explaining why do you use a ten dollars? No, you don't do that. Why we use? Why like why do you charge ten dollars? Obviously, some people would be questioning that. Oh yeah, that's that's on the website. That's all that information is on the website. Okay, so yeah, you explain to people about that. So okay, talking about the participants, how would you like? How would you see them, your, their incentive to kind of join this? Why would they want to do that? Except for, this, like, obviously the, the prize. Well, I don't think we need to, we need to, quote-unquote, validate why, you know, people should join. Um, and 
the reason why I say I don't think we, sh we need to validate why people should join is because our mission is very clear. We're trying to bring attention to issues that matter, right? The, 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 the $10 is, is, not really, is not really an entry fee when you think about it. it, it w w when you think about it, these are just, that's a token to be a co-creator in the world that you want to see because that money goes into creating the change you're talking about, right? Um, so it's not enough to sing about it or write about it, right? We're now all going to be participators in, 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 in creating the world that we want to see. Um, we're not, we're a social enterprise, not a business. So um, our mission, of course, is very strong. We're not trying to make money. We're not trying to, 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 to be profitable or make profits. Um, and Erupt is a 501c3 organization. So it, the profits don't go to an individual. Um, it goes back into uh, serving our mission, and um, we don't. We're not also in the business of convincing people to enter. We believe if we have to convince a person, then it's probably not a good fit. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if someone wants their work out there, if they want to inspire the world with their art, then we we can we we're, you know we can talk. It's a match made from heaven. So that's it. Yay! That sounds so cool. Um, I'm definitely going to be looking into that and promoting it to my Russian community. Uh, and as for now, uh, I think this is just a great wrap-up, something on a positive note, and also just really, really was happy to talk to you, James. Thank you Likewise. for joining me. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. You're doing a great job. Well done. Um, I am I'm really inspired by what you're doing, and I'm really excited that I was able to, to be about part of this.